Good evening, church. It's great to see everybody out. A special good evening to all the uh, Limfield and Mont City fans. It's been a good weekend for me, uh, in particular. The Glens won on Friday night, Liverpool won today. It's been good. We've a lot to praise God about. If you all understand, we're going to start our service with some praise and worship.
God, you are God reigns over every situation, over every circumstance. No matter what we're going through, Lord God, good or bad, you reign over it all, God. And we know that we do not walk alone, Lord God, but we have you by our side. God, as we fight our battles on our knees and prayer to you, Lord God, we know that you intercede and you work on our behalf, Lord God. You walk us through, God. So how can we not give you praise, Lord? As we come around your word, we are reminded of who you are, of your greatness, of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, we know it's lovely and warm in here. Uh, this is our new average plan to put the heating on in church, and then that draws people into uh, church. So you can turn your heating off in the house and stuff, okay? So that's our new plan and stuff. So thank you for coming along. Just a few announcements before Pastor Ease comes up and brings a word uh, tonight. On Tuesday evening uh, is our encounter prayer at uh, 7.30. Jackie McCooper is going to be bringing the word on Tuesday night uh, before we get down to pray. Uh, this will encourage you to come along. He said we don't make anybody pray out loud, but it has been about a few excellent meetings in recent months of prayer meeting just as we as we present our requests as we thank god even at the end just to hear the testimonies from people of the answered prayer so please come along on a tuesday evening the academy is on on thursday evening at seven o'clock uh, those people who are involved in that it, it's on there for the ladies we have uh, we've organized a coach trip to kildare shopping um, on Saturday, October the 29th, we're leaving church at 8 o'clock. We say, we are not going. Praise the Lord. Um, hate the place myself, but I know the ladies like it. Okay, so leaving church at 8 o'clock. It costs £20, um, and you can get a ticket from the info desk tonight. There are only about 10 seats left, isn't there? There's about 10 yeah, there's about 10 seats left, so coaches nearly full. So if you really want to go, go. Listen, fellas, listen, they're away from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. In my mind, that's the best £20 you could spend on Saturday night. So I paid for my wife to go, and if you've got teenagers, mini pulses on in Dublin on that day as well, and all the youth are going down to that. So I'm getting rid of my wife and daughter for 25 quid like <laughs> for the day. That's good. Man. So listen, take advantage of it and stop. Listen, if you uh, pay your 20 pound and send her uh, away for the day like. Uh, um. Jim, where? Where's Jim? Jim is coming up to promote the next Man Up event. If you were here this morning, I told him don't crack those jokes again because. <laughs> I didn't get them this morning, all right? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Church, extenebrous lux, which means after darkness, light. And we did share earlier on this morning, and just again, just for those that, that weren't here this morning, just again to kind of plug our event. Um, it's been 500, almost 505 years from a young monk named Martin Luther nailed or put the 95 Thesis onto the door of a church in Wittenberg. And we know that whilst we have earthly pastors, and not just here, but right across the world, 
there's only one head of our church. Ephesians makes that very clear, and that is Christ. And when we begin to veer off the, the course that God has charted for us, he will bring us back onto it. So Martin Kern is a, a professor from Union College, and he studies the Reformation, has done for a long time, and he is going to tell us the life story of that monk, you know, what it was. It wasn't that Martin Luther was starting anything new. God was using him to bring us back to the, the course that was plotted right from Calvary. And we're sitting with about 99 on our kind of ticket list, which is unheard of for this time for the men. So there's a big appetite for that. Now it does have the what is a broad title, which is a bit cheesy. And it is about trying to kind of get local people to come along, but don't let that put anyone off, regardless of what community you come from. I have lots of friends who um, come from different religious backgrounds, and some of them are gonna be coming. So please, for the guys and the women in here tonight, encourage the, the men that you know, regardless of backgrounds, come along and hear, what was that all about? Halloween day, October the 31st, 505 years ago, something happened, and it didn't just change the life of young Martin Luther, it changed all of our lives, it changed their lives, whether they realize it or not, it changed our whole world as part of the Reformation. So I encourage you to encourage them, get them out. Um, if you need to, buy a ticket and give it to someone. Let's fill this place out with a lot of men who, you know, God can inspire them to be hungry to hear more about him because it's not about Martin Luther, it never is. No matter what we put on for the men or whatever we put on for the women, it's never about that purpose solely. It's always about Christ. So pray for it if you're not going to be at it and encourage people to come where you can. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Did you say about the chicken curry? Yes, three pound includes chicken curry. Only Protestant chicken, sorry, just in case you think with the night and stuff. At the end of uh, at the end of the meeting tonight, um, the the heating in the youth hall is broke. Uh, and the toddler group is in there in the morning. Well, they're not now, they're, they're gonna use it here. So we need some help from people just basically stacking the chairs and setting up for tomorrow. So please, uh, if, you do, if you don't rush off at the end, if you can help us, uh, then we can get set up uh, in here. What we're gonna do now, Pastor Reese is gonna come and bring us the word this evening. Thank you, Reese. Thank you, Pastor, and thank you to the team as well. Incredible worship. Uh, tonight, as I was standing there, actually, in that, that um, last song that we sang, God, I look to you, and I won't be overwhelmed. And I've, I've really got a sense that there's people in here. We're, we're talking about um, the temptation. Tonight, we're going to look um, in Matthew 4. We're continuing on looking at the book, at the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look in Matthew 4 at the temptation of Jesus. But just along that theme, along those lines, just as I was standing there, I got a real sense of um, there, there are people here tonight and you were tempted not to be here. There's, there's people who were tempted not to come to God's house. And for whatever reason, you were compelled to be here. And I just want to tell you that God sees that. That God sees that. He sees that obedience. And you're here for a purpose tonight. You're here that, that 
that God would speak to you through his word. And I want to encourage you right from the start that, that Christ himself went through the, the temptation in which you go through. And we'll learn a bit more about that as we go on tonight. But I just wanted to begin with that. I really felt that. Um, as I was standing there and you know we're singing um, about our battles as well and how they belong to God and it's so good it's so good that I don't fight my battles myself but my God does because church he has the victory he already has it and it's just so good to be found in his house and to know that we are children of God if we are if we are but church allow me to begin by uh, speaking from Matthew chapter 4 this is the temptation of Jesus and beginning at verse 1 there it says then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry and the tempter came and said to him if you are the son of God command these stones to become loaves of bread but he answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone jesus said to him again it is written you shall not put your lord your god to the test again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him all these i will give you if you will fall down and worship me then jesus said to him be gone satan for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Allow me to pray, church. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for how relatable your word is, how applicable it is. God, we thank you that it was breathed by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you that... Uh, that tonight as we gather so long after it was written lord we thank you that it still applies directly to our lives and god we just pray that tonight what whatever would take place god whatever words are said or whatever else would happen lord we pray that by your holy spirit you would move in our lives god i pray tonight for the individual I pray, God, for each person that is here, and I ask, God, that you would move in their lives, that, that your word would begin something new in them, in us, God. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your son. That's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Church, just as an introduction, what I want to do is offer some clarity around the subject of temptation. Because sometimes we can be misled or we can be confused by it. It's, it can be a confusing subject. And the first thing to clarify, and this, this will seem like a strange statement, but just allow me to explain myself. The first thing to clarify is the temptation in and of itself is not sin 
And that seems like a really strange thing to say because you'll think, well, Pastor, you don't know what you don't know what's tempting me. Or you don't know what temptations I have in my life. They they seem wrong. And and I'll get on to explain what that statement means. But temptation in and of itself is not a sin. And we know this because at the very beginning, Eve was tempted before she fell. And then both in Matthew that we have read and in the Gospel of Mark, it tells us that Jesus Christ himself was tempted by Satan. It tells us that there. It tells us that in other parts of Scripture, it says that Jesus Christ himself was tempted by Satan. So are we saying that if, if we say that temptation is a sin, then we have to say that Jesus sinned, but that's a completely against what we believe and what the Bible says to be true. And we'll read in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Christ was tempted, but he did not sin. And there we have it, temptation in and of itself is not sin. It's a disorienting thing. It's, it's a disorienting experience because sin is presented to us in temptation as good. It, sin is presented to us in temptation as a good thing. But destruction comes dressed up to look like happiness. When, when we are tempted, it looks like a good thing. And that's what's confusing about it. That's what um, gets, gets, our, gets our heads just, just, we can't wrap our heads around it. But church, sin only occurs when we believe that the lie can actually grant happiness. That the temptation can actually fulfill us. It goes a step further than being tempted. Sin happens when we mishandle temptation. It's not in the temptation itself. Temptation becomes sin when we allow the temptation to become action. And even in our minds, even in our minds, of course, we can sin. And I said at the start that we'd explain what we're talking about. And we look at things like lust. That's an example. That's a, that's a really obvious example when you think of temptation. A lot of Christians would think of that. They would think lust. And it, it is sin, even though it may never be acted upon. And again, the book of Matthew will tell you that. Pride, greed, envy, they're all sins of the heart, even though they may not be apparent to anybody else, even though nobody else may see them. They are sins of the heart. They're still sin. See, it's when we give in to the temptation to entertain these thoughts. They take root in our hearts and they begin to change us. They begin to shape us and that's when temptation becomes sin when we yield to temptation we replace the fruit of the spirit with the fruit of the flesh and and many times what was first entertained as a thought becomes action it takes a step further and what we want to do is we want to understand 
how we combat that. We want to know how we can defend ourselves against that. We want to know what God's word says about it. We want to know what Christ did when he was tempted. Because in chapter 4 there, as we read, Jesus was tempted. He was tempted um, maybe beyond what a lot of us will ever experience. We read there of the temptation of Jesus, and he's tempted by the devil. And it's for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long innings, church. That's a long time. He didn't have anything except his faith in his father. He didn't have anything except what he knew of God. He had the word of God in his heart. And that's what Satan came up against because Satan employs all of his best tactics when he's trying to tempt Jesus. He used food. He used a path to power which involved no cross because we know that Christ would have to endure the cross. Satan offers him earthly power and says, here, you can have this. You don't need to die on a cross for it. He offers him that, or a public demonstration, a test of his divinity. See, Satan was trying to corrupt Jesus. Jesus, who is holy, he was trying to corrupt his God-given desires. And we who live with sin within us, we don't, we don't know the levels to which this sinless man, Christ, was affected we 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 can't truly know that but we do know that what jesus experienced were temptations because it says it multiple times it'd be different if it just titled it and then it didn't say it anywhere else and we're kind of having to interpret that but but scripture because it is god breathed it's very good at clarifying so it repeats itself says that christ was tempted and Jesus was given a choice between deceptively compelling things and God's promises and this choice comes to us as well church and we get on to that but to each temptation Jesus has a response and like I said Jesus has the word of God on his heart and Jesus responded it is written Every time the devil, the devil offers him food and he said no. People do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil takes him to a high place and he tells him jump off. God will, God will send angels. Sure does his word not say that? Isn't that crazy by the way? That the devil is trying to use the word of God against Christ here and he says that the God will send the angels to protect them. Jesus says to him, no, you must not test the Lord your God. The final thing that the devil does in this interaction is he takes him to a mountain, he takes him to the peak of a high mountain and he says, look at it all. Look at the kingdoms of the earth, the richest of the rich. Look at everything that you could have. I can give it to you. I can give you all of it. If you just worship me. It's as simple as that. Jesus, worship me. 
and worship me and you can have it all. And Jesus says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Bible tells us he was tempted, but church, his defense was the word of God. He had the word of God on his heart. And then what happens, what happens next in the verses that we have read, church? The devil goes away and angels come to take care of Christ. How amazing is that when you think about what it was that the devil was offering Jesus? And, and in reality, he can't, he can't fulfill those promises. He doesn't have all of that in the bank. It's not there for him. But how amazing is it that he offers, he offers that, um, that through a display of power that angels would come and they would catch Jesus that they wouldn't allow any harm to come from him. And, and Jesus says to him, hold on. My Bible tells me not to test God. But then the devil goes away and angels come anyway. Because that's the promise of God, that the angels come and they take care of Jesus. The devil offers Jesus bread. Jesus says no, but he knows he will have bread forever. He will never be hungry. Church, the devil says angels will catch Jesus. And Christ says no, and God sends angels to take care of him. The devil takes Jesus to a mountain. He offers him the world. Jesus says no, because with God, with God, he was going to live his life on mountains, church. With God, he gains a kingdom that will never, ever go away. Even if the devil can offer him everything of the earth, well, it's perishable and it diminishes and what God offers him will never go away. Church, the offers you receive from the world might be tempting, but they expire and they fade. See, the devil shows up in moments of weaknesses. He shows up in moments of great need and he offers exactly what it seems like we need, but the price you pay is too high. Christ offers you more and gives you it for free. All you need to do is have faith in him, accept that you have sinned and believe that he raised from the dead. What Christ offers you, you'll have forever. You need you need to have faith and you will have it forever. Church, we said we're gonna we're gonna explain a bit more about temptation in a few minutes that we have and I want to explain that there are two avenues. These are just two avenues by which we are tempted. And the first is Satan, as we have read. Satan tempts people to sin. And he did this unsuccessfully to Jesus in the wilderness. We've read that. He wants Christ to abandon the path of suffering. But the path of suffering was also the path of obedience, church. Yeah, Christ was suffering, but he was being obedient to God. So the devil offers him no suffering, but also disobedience. No thanks. Not for him. And it, it also tells us 
in God's word that the devil did this successfully to Judas in the last hours of Jesus' life. It says in Luke chapter 22, Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money, so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. And he does, the devil does this successfully to Judas. And as we continue in God's word, Paul warns against this for all the believers. Those who believe in God because Satan employs the same temptation tactics with us as he did with Christ. And we need to be on alert. And it says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 11 verse 3. I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We have to identify the things that appear too good to be true. We need to know what it is that we are up against, church. And then comes, as we said, our sinful desire, the two things that we are tempted by. Can anybody tell that Paula didn't put this PowerPoint together, by the way? That was me. That's why this is so clunky. <laughs> See, my my sin was I thought I could do this myself. There was some pride in there and thinking that, like, there was a temptation in thinking that I could do the job that Paula does and absolutely not. But here we are. We're continuing with the church. It says there, the second avenue by which we are tempted, our own sinful flesh, our sinful desire. In James chapter 1, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And see, even though we may desire to do good, we are still tempted. No one is above it, even someone who would be named an apostle. Someone like the apostle Paul, who has an incredible life-altering experience with Christ, who has all of this knowledge, and still he warns the believers, because he too would be tempted. He shared his own struggle of flesh against spirit when he wrote in Romans in chapter 7, verses 22 to 23, for in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And the reason, church, the temptations are hard to resist is because hope is hard to resist. And that's what it seemingly offers us. That's what the things that drag us away seem to offer us. A way of escape. A way out. They seem to offer us a fix. They seem to offer us something that is good. That's why it's disorienting. That's why it's not always easy to identify. Temptation threatens us with missing out on happiness. 
or, or less misery. But we have to ask ourselves, what is it really promising? See, sometimes just saying it out loud helps. Sometimes just confessing it helps. It breaks it. Because you begin to see what a ridiculous idea that it is. We need to declare, like Jesus did, church, it is written. We need to know what is written for us. We need to know what God promises us against what the world promises us. We need to know what is written and take a stand on the promises that God has made to us. Don't fight hope merely with denial. Fight false hope with true hope. Hope in the God of hope. Hope in the one who can really offer you it. Hope in the one who can truly help. Hope in the one who is truth and who knows you better than anybody. Than anybody else in this world knows the thoughts in your mind, knows the desires of your heart. Trust in him. Know that his will is working out in you. And the Bible trusts, the Bible tells us that he is working for our good. Ultimately and finally for our good. God made you to want to be happy. And temptations promise you happiness. It's a, it's a desire that we all have. All of us want joy. We all want to be happy. So of course your emotions, they, they want that happiness. And they'll feel demanding. But denying them won't kill you. Don't allow your passions to be your dictators. Let me say that again. Don't allow your passions to be your dictators. Remember, emotions are gauges, not guides. Emotions are to be directed, not to be directors. We inform our hearts, not the other way around. Temptations are never truly as strong as they feel. Their power lies solely in the false hope that they produce in us. Remember, it's hope that is powerful, but God created us to hope in him. And he is more powerful than the hope that you will receive from anything else. The hope that is in God is more powerful than any hope in this world. We said earlier on, the rest of it, it all expires. And church, can I offer you the best defense against giving in to temptation? Because often people, people come to those who have been on the road a little bit longer, or, or people will, will ask those of more wisdom, like, hi, how can I fight this? What should I do? And we, we have a lot of things to offer. We have a lot of advice that we can give. And practically, it's always good to put things in your life, to put things in place that, that means that you're not led into temptation. But the best defense that the Bible gives against temptation is to flee. You're tempted, leave. You're tempted, abandon it. Run from it. 
Those are the noises I make in the house too. He's just like his dad. Kill away to say, like, babies mimic, like, you know, they begin to start to do what you do, and he's like, Daddy burp, so I'm gonna burp. <laughs> Who brings babies to church? Imagine bringing babies to church. <laughs> church, the best defense is to flee. And we, we heard when we were talking about um, heroes of faith, when we were talking about highs and lows in the life of, we heard about Joseph, and he's a great example of someone who didn't allow temptation to become sin. Because although he was tempted to sin with, with Potiphar's wife, he didn't give in to the temptation. He did not give the temptation time to take root. What he does is he used the legs God gave him and he left. He used the choice that he had. He used the things within his power and he resists. Rather than stay in a potentially dangerous situation, rather than try and talk or justify, explain, reason, or otherwise weaken his resolve, Joseph takes off. See, the temptation wasn't a sin for him because he dealt with it in a God-honoring way. And it could have easily become sin if Joseph had stayed and in his own strength tried to resist it. If he had stayed around and tried to overcome the temptation in whatever strength he felt that he had. But no, he flees. And more advice here from Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. It gratify its desires. To gratify its desires. If we determine to make no provision for our flesh, then we will keep ourselves out of situations that may prove too tempting. Just stay away from it. And sometimes it's easier said than done. I don't know your specific circumstance, but can I encourage you? We've talked about the practical. Be accountable to somebody. Be accountable to fellow believers. Stay away from whatever it is that you know is dragging you away. Stay within God's will for your life. It is the safest place that you're, you can be. Because we're faced with a choice between temptation, its compelling appearance, and God's promises. God's promise, it offers us a way of escape. And often that way is we avoid it altogether. We flee from our desires. Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray. And so we come to this point, church, and I'm going to invite the worship team up. Just as we come to the end of our thoughts tonight. Jesus, when he was giving us a guideline for prayer when he was telling us how to pray, part of it says, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us, God. We have a responsibility ourselves 
we have a responsibility to pay attention to the direction God is leading us and to avoid temptation whenever we can. Christ withstood temptation to sin, that sin may no longer hold us captive. Church, there is nobody like Jesus. And we have to make him the number one thing that we adore in our lives. And maybe you haven't been doing that. I don't know what what temptation you have allowed to fester. I don't know what it is that you have allowed to go on too long. But can, can I tell you that God does? And his word tells you, you want to be obedient to me, you need to deal with this. And as Pastor Matt said this morning, church, there's some things that we need to give up. And there's some things that we need to take up. So I want to encourage people tonight to give up some things, to give over some things to God. And can I also encourage you that so many of us are in the same boat. We are in the same place. Temptation is within all of us. But I I encourage you that there's an opportunity tonight There's an opportunity here in this place to give it over to God, to draw a line in the sand, to move on from it. To have faith that God will deliver you from it. And I know that the the Bible tells us to flee. God's word, absolutely, it tells us to flee. But we need to trust in God and we need to pray this as well. With God's people, in his house we need to trust God with this he already knows he already knows he sees it he sees the circumstance but I want to encourage you tonight to leave it behind can I invite everybody to stand to their feet what we want to do tonight just with the last few minutes that we have left is I I want to invite people out who would like prayer who would like prayer for this and what I want to promise you is that as you come to the front as you come to the front you're you're not going to receive judgment from anybody you won't receive eyes from anybody nobody up here is going to ask you your circumstances or your situations we simply want to pray with you because the church is for you We love you. We love the plan that God has for your life. And we just, we want to be there to minister to you. We want to walk on this journey with you. So as I said, we're not going to ask any questions. We simply just want to pray with you. So the team are going to play. We're going to worship together. And right now, if there's anybody who would like prayer, if they want to hand something over to God, if you feel that this is something that you're dealing with, then I encourage you tonight to deal with it. So right now, I'm going to invite people out. If you would like to receive prayer tonight, then come on out to the front. And we know that when one person does, then more people will. So be brave, be that first person and come out.
ramp things up. You're breaking ground and you're doing new things in the lives of the people here, Lord God. And I pray, God, that tonight wouldn't just be a, an emotional response, Lord God, but as we, as we leave, as we go back to our day-to-day -day lives, our Monday to Friday, God, 